Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Valerie Leonard. I am the founder of Nonprofit Utopia. We're the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. I want to say thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry we couldn't do this live, but in, uh, we're doing the next best thing, which is sharing the information that we have, and we're going to record it and share it out. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Ramona Taylor-Williams. Ramona Taylor-Williams is one of our members, and she is also the executive, executive director of MCUP. And then when she's done, I will introduce Congressman Davis. And then after that, he will take over. All right. So without further ado, Ramona, you want to share with us the purpose? Okay. Ramona is not here. So I shall introduce Representative Davis. Um, Representative Davis is my congressman. I've known him almost all my life. So that would mean we've known each other for about five years, right? right? And you can take yourself off mute too. He is the congressman for the seventh congressional district. He is also on the Ways and Means Committee. He has not only reached a, a serious level of seniority in Congress, but he also maintains that personal touch. You know, he was an alderman back in the day and uh, he's been an alderman, he's been a Cook County commissioner and a <clears throat> congressman, and he has never ever lost that personal touch. So without further ado, we're going to introduce him. He's going to give us an update on the CARES Act legislation, and then he will facilitate the conversation. All right. Well, let me just thank you, Valerie, first of all, for being creative, for being an innovator, for being an activist, and being an individual who puts to work the skills, knowledge, and commitment that you have. It is true that I've known you and your family for many, many years, and I often say to people, that your father was a great inspiration to me and inspired me to be actively engaged in community. And I think that's what I do. And so I always remember his work and his legacy. Let me thank all of those who've taken a Saturday afternoon to be engaged in this kind of activity. I am feeling just wonderful. I mean, I don't know if I could feel much better because earlier today, I've been engaged with a group of people who've probably given away at least a thousand or 2,000 pieces of meat, <laughs> a thousand refrigerators, and all wow. kinds of clothes and Great. other kinds of things that uh, one of my staff members uh, Sharita Logan helped to organize with a group of churches, and they've still got cars lined up. It took me at least 30 or 40 minutes to get away from where they were. And they were located over at an African-American business, uh, Mr. Ron Damper, Damron Corporation, who makes tea. And they are the main supplier of tea to McDonald's Corporation. 
and many other places. And so things are happening. I also feel good because last night, the Senate on a vote of 50 to 49 voted to approve a rescue package that had been put together by President Joe Biden, as well as the House of Representatives. And that rescue package, let me just mention why it's necessary, as well as mentioning so much. Many of you are economists because you work for banks, you run financial institutions, you understand all of this stuff. And you know that if people are not exchanging goods and services, economies have a tendency to stagnate. And so because of the coronavirus, many businesses, many interactions, many exchanges have ceased for all practical purposes. So money has not been in circulation. If money is not in circulation, I always say that money is like blood to the body. If the blood stops circulating in your body, no matter what else is going on, you're going to die. I mean, with all of the sophisticated technology, you <laughs> are going to die. The same thing is true with economies. If people who have resources, are not using them, if they're just kind of holding on to them. I don't know much about this business, but I know a little bit. I did serve as a trustee of the Austin Bank of Chicago for 10 years. And I was fortunate to be a trustee of this bank, even though I did not have one dime of stock in terms of ownership. That's another story for another time. <laughs> and I was involved with trying to start a bank and we did start the Community Bank of Lundell. I owned $25 worth of stock in that bank. <laughs> five shares, $5 a share. And I have used that bank though, ever since, even though it's changed names, it's changed hands, it's changed everything. It's gone out of business. It's come back in business, but it's now part of Liberty Bank. And that still is my bank after 35, 40 years. The, the, the rescue plan is going to provide $1,400. Just imagine <laughs> millions of people getting $1,400 that they can go out and spend. That's going to put a lot of money into circulation. That's a lot of money. Doesn't sound like much to one <laughs> person, but when you add and multiply, it becomes a great deal. Institutions are going to get millions of dollars that they can use to hire people to purchase goods and services. We are going to have the most massive inoculation program, vaccination program that this country has ever seen or any country has ever seen. Well, somebody's got to pay for it. 
I mean, it's not coming just, I mean, Merck and Johnson and Johnson, they're not going to be doing it <laughs> just because it needs to be done. So we've decided that it's okay to go in debt or to invest this money in the recovery of America. And there are some people who don't agree, but there are enough of us who do agree that once the Senate passed the bill last night, it's not going to be the exact bill. I'm not happy that we're not going to see $15 an hour becoming the minimum wage for the country. I'm, I'm not happy because I don't think you can live off less than $15 an hour. <laughs> not in Chicago, <laughs> but not any place else in reality. But that's all right. We're coming. We're not there, but we are coming. And so I'm excited because I know the House is going to now pass whatever the Senate has agreed to when we go back. We're going to pass it because we are committed to making sure that America has the resources that are necessary to pull ourselves out of the dilemma that we are in. I've had both shots, had an event last Saturday where we were able to inoculate 994 people at a little community gathering over on North Laramie next to my church. I go to Valorous Church sometimes, but <laughs> I also have another church <laughs> of my own. <laughs> my wife goes to Valorous Church. And so they they church members and, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of where we are. We're in a good place. We're in a good place right now. There are all kind of events coming up tomorrow. Some have taken place today. There's going to be big vaccination opportunities at the United Center. Uh, I just got a call from the mayor's office where she's calling on a robo. I've robo called. I've probably called at least 25 or 30,000 people in the last day or so, urging them to get their shots. So we, we, we're moving. We are moving. And, and it's a pleasure to be with all of you. And it's time now to get into our discussion. And uh, the first person that I'm going to actually present, he needs no introduction in this business at all. As a matter of fact, the one time that I have been in the wealthiest place in the world, <laughs> guess who I was with? I was Mark <laughs> Ferguson. We took a business trip to the Arab Emirates. And we were able to see, oh my God, you talk about wealth in terms of the countries we went to at the end of the year, they give their citizens a bonus. They don't charge income tax. They do the opposite because they set on beds of natural gas and oil. And they just have to try to figure out how to use it. But the deputy director of the Illinois Small Business Administration, Mr. Mark Ferguson. Mark, 
thank you so much for being with us. Uh, that's not a problem, Congressman. You know, I always think about that <laughs> trip where you, Rod, um, you know, a couple other people, we all went on that one trip. And uh, yeah, that was, you talk about wealth. I can remember when we were in Qatar or Qatar, whatever <laughs> way you want to pronounce it. I can remember them telling us they don't have to work and they still get $100,000 a year. They get their house built for them. Wow. And, you know, and like Congressman said, you don't pay any taxes. I was like, uh, hey, Congressman, can you leave me here for a minute? <laughs> yeah, that was great. You know what I mean? Nobody that calls was... them socialists. I've never heard anybody call them a socialist. Well, I'm not going to get into calling them anything but wealthy. All right. I'm going to tell you that. But, uh, you know, that, that was pretty good. But at any rate, I want to thank you, Valerie, for having us on. Congressman for inviting us and Sharita and everybody else that was instrumental in getting us on. I wanna thank all my bankers and all the other folks that are on. Uh, specifically, you know, uh, my, 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 my minority bankers, <laughs> you know, because uh, that's what we're trying to do this time around is target this money, whether it's PPP or uh, EIDL or debt relief or, uh, the uh, shutter venue grants, all that money. We're trying to get that into the community where it's just not getting there because we still got a lot of work to do on bringing everybody's financing uh, situations up where they get their financial statements together. So what I do have, I know we're pressed for time, Val. I'm going to scoop through a quick presentation if you okay. want because I'm sure that the panel is going to answer questions. And if I can mm -hmm. jump in here and there with the panel, I will also. Okay, okay? Awesome. But I'm going to go ahead and um, uh, share my screen with you guys. And uh, let's see. Hopefully this is coming up. If you can uh, mm -hmm. see my screen, just wave yep. your hands in the air like you don't care. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, well, this is just uh, basically, you know, this is uh, some probably boring to Ron and Daryl. They've seen it a zillion times as lenders and probably done this uh, preview themselves. But at any rate, this is just to give you an idea of kind of like what's happening with us. And broke it up into where we are now, the COVID relief, uh, EIDL programs, grant program details, additional assistance, what I do want to tell all you folks is that a lot of times people are going to ask us these questions that they can often have answered for themselves. And from God is my witness, I'm going to tell you, if they just Google, 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 Google www.sba.gov relief, COVID relief or coronavirus relief programs, it'll take you to our webpage and it'll break down the programs pretty much like I'm breaking it down now. And if they can read, you know, they can get a gist of uh, what the programs are about. And then they don't have to um, really bother all my bankers with details because they have, they have the details and the bankers um, will be able to answer a lot of those detailed questions that they may have, but it's just a general guide. So a lot of times when I do these things, I tell yeah. people, if you, have your, if you have a smartphone, 
pull Google it or go www.sba.gov slash coronavirus relief programs and you'll be right on our page and you can almost follow this um, this program or this uh, slide presentation just off the web page. Okay, it's no mystery, but I'm going to give you an idea. Those are our four primary programs, the Paycheck Protection Program, Debt Relief, Economic Disaster, EIDL, and the newest one is the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant Program that I know that a lot of people are really, really anxious to hear about, but, you know, I, I'll i get to that point when we get to it. But the Paycheck Protection uh, Program, if you remember under the CARES Act that was signed into legislation back on the 27th of March, 2020, and then later amended back on June 5th, uh, 2020, we went from, uh, that was a program where we had, you know, if you had 60% of your proceeds going toward payroll, we allowed you to take 40% and pay that on expenses. If you satisfied the 60% on the payroll, then 100% of the whole loan was forgiven. Well, this time around with the uh, Economic Aid Act to the hardest hit businesses that uh, the former president signed back on December 27, 2020, and we just launched, we, we got even a little more aggressive. For example, you know, we expanded how the funds can be used. You can use them now. Uh, eligible expenses has opened up to, you know, where you can use it for PPP. You can use it for supplies. You can use it uh, for other things other than just mortgage interest, rent and utilities, which is great. Um, it's geared for the hardest hit businesses. Uh, allows for deductions of expenses covered with forgiven PPP loan on debt and federal taxes. Now, remember, you guys were like outside our, well, you weren't outside our office because it was COVID, but I got the feeling that had you had an opportunity, you'd have had your, 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 your torches and your pitchforks talking about SBA, SBA, why are you guys taxing us on this money? And how come we can't take away the expenses? Well, any immortal words of Shaggy? It wasn't me. Okay, it was the treasury and it was, we had to implement it that way, but we got the message. So, you know, we kind of did a few things like for example, you can now take the expenses for PPP and apply them to your profit and loss statement and not get gigged on it. We're not gonna 1099 you for the monies that if they come over and you satisfy everything and it becomes a grant, we're not gonna gig you for that. We're gonna say, great job, great job. Let's keep people employed. And let's try to keep this economy moving much like what the Congressman said. The first straw PPP, okay? If you got money prior to August 8th, or you can say August 9th, whatever you prefer, um, 2020, from the PPP loan program, then you took a first draw PPP loan. Now under that program, you know, you had eight to 24 weeks as a cover period to pay the money back. Okay, the only thing you had to do was be in business back then on February 15, 2019. This year for the second tranche or uh, first, uh, second tranche, it'll be to uh, be in business February 15, 2020. Now, here's a key date that you have to remember, and it's in black, and it's in black for a reason, because uh, 
on the 31st of March, the appropriation will run out, okay? Um, don't leave $135 billion there, folks, like we did on August 9th. And, you know, I was out there tap dancing. I was doing everything I possibly could to get, especially folks like us, to come get this money. I'm not here to, um, I'm not going to be here to lecture anybody, but we, you know, we need to be more aware of uh, keeping our books in order so we can get the money. Now, with the first, with the first draw or with the loan eligibility, what we've done under the uh, Economic Aid Act, now newly eligible folks are housing cooperatives, destination marketing organizations, and eligible new organizations, news organizations, pardon me. But above all, right now, 501c6 organizations are now eligible. That includes chambers of commerce. As long as they're not lobbying for different political concerns and we're, we're good with that. So a lot of those folks are still great with that. We still have folks that are eligible as a 501c3s that includes churches, religious institutions, regular business entities as we know it, sole proprietors, independent contractors and self-employed individuals they can still come and get and have some fun and get some of this money. Now, what makes this different this time around? Previously, we were relegated to 500 employees or less. This time on the second draw, you have 300 employees or less. And folks, we got to prove that you had a 25% reduction in gross receipts. That simply means that, and it's got to be comparable periods, you guys. So, you know, so let's say if we, um, we had a, a million dollars in the first quarter of last year, and now in this quarter, we only have a half a million, can I qualify for a PPP? Yes, you can. And provided that you two were in business on the 15th of February at that time. Now, a lot of you who are in the restaurant business as well as the entertainment business, you beat me up real bad, like it was my program, you know? Uh, you beat me up real bad, but I'll tell you, Congress and the folks there, and you gotta commend the congressmen and those folks that they got you all included this time. They got more people, restaurants, are now included under NAICS 72. And what makes that great is that under the old way of calculating the PPP, if you just had a regular business and you weren't specifically designated, we only let you take the average monthly income or payroll, pardon me, average monthly payroll costs and only multiply that by 2.5 to get your overall loan amount, okay? But now with the restaurants, uh, Congress was, uh, they're pretty good on this one and they let you go ahead and take it 3.5 times over that average. So that is now increased. Now, one of the things that you have to do is put that on an SBA form 2483. That is your application. Folks, it's not that hard to fill out. You can do it. I don't think your bankers want to do it. Um, I can't see them right now, but I'm probably sure they're shaking their heads. No, but you can go to the resource partners in the community, the small business development network that the SBA sponsors. You know, they're all over the place from ICNC out to the Joseph Center. Um, you got the WBDC downtown, uh, the Hispanic Chamber. All of those are in the Congressman's District, too. 
Um, so I'm just letting you know. All righty. And so that, those payroll costs, that can go up to $2 million. $2 million. Was there a question out there at all? Okay. If not, I'm going to keep rolling. I'm trying to be respectful of everybody's time. Additional eligibility is expenses for the second draw. I did talk about the 25% reduction in 300 people. Um, here, again, the key date, you got to get this in by the 21st, but I would be very remiss if I didn't tell you. You know, back on, um, boy, what was it? Um, not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday prior. Now I'm lost my dates, February, um, or maybe it was March, I, whatever, not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday prior to that, we had a special going on. I like to call it the blue plate special where we were only allowing the banks to accept applications for PPP to submit to the SBA that had 19 employees or less. We did that as a targeted effort to try to reach those communities. You know, we've been around since 1953 before I moved. I was even born and I'm 63. Okay. So let me just say this to you. There's one thing that I can say about the SBA that, you know, I pride myself on serving the people is that we try to even up the playing field as far as businesses go and minority businesses go. But at any rate, what you need to do is just, uh, if you're out there, you need to find a lender. You can't find a lender. You can't find there. You can't find Ron. <laughs> then go to lender match. Somebody will find you if you go there, okay? You can go to some of the resource partners. They'll be sure to, um, well, I'm not going to say steer you, but maybe give you a reference. Don't come to me or anybody from the SBA because I'm going to tell you now it's against the law for us to steer you to a specific bank. However, if you're creative enough, you'll know that if you go to sba.gov, uh, SBA the Illinois page, and look up lenders, you'll see who the most successful lenders are and how many applications, how many dollar amounts they've done. And you can just make an assumption that those are probably the lenders who do the most business with the SBA. If you were gonna pick one of them, I'd give you a thumbs up that you're on the right track, okay? And uh, here's the other thing, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are frustrated yelling <laughs> at me about their bankers and their banker said they can't this, they can't that. It's not all the bankers' fault. It's uh, the electronics that we have. We have, a, we have a system where we put a overlay on a system again. And, uh, you know, we've put some of our bankers at a disadvantage, having them go through a SAM process. A lot of things that, you know, I have to agree with because I work for the SBA. But, you know, I, I don't know if you should do that when you're in an emergency state like coronavirus. But... I'm not there. So I just implement the programs. But with that being said, um, don't beat up your bankers too much. You know, they're trying to do the best they can, but they do everything off of a platform that they submit to us. Now, getting back to the PPP, if your loan is not forgiven, let's say, for example, you did not cover 100% or you did not cover that 60%, let's say 50% of that loan was not satisfied under PPP, what will happen is that it will not be forgiven. But don't fret. If your loan was taken after June 5th, all we're going to do is charge you 1%. We allow the banks to charge you 1% interest, which is way below prime. 
and let you pay whatever that deficit is back to us over a five-year period, meaning this. So let's say you got a $100,000 loan, you know, you got your 40% ineligible, you had 50% of eligible expenses, okay, pushing or 50% eligible expenses pushing a PPP side down to 50%, you got to make up that 10% or that 10 grand, that 10,000 would be amortized over five years at 1%. You have to pay the bank back. The other thing is, is that um, you can't have two PPP loans at the same time. So it's very important to understand that with the cover periods, all right? Uh, with that being said, um, let me see here. Um, what'll happen normally when you wanna go ahead and submit your loan for forgiveness, you can do so. It takes the bank, we give the bank 60 days to at least submit it to us meaning the, you know, the SBA, the federal government, and then we do the banks will remit uh, monies back for whatever amount is forgiven um, to the banks within a 90 day period. Now, I know some of you have been arguing or not, not I, I should say arguing, but I should say I've been a little upset that maybe the banks aren't taking the forgiveness right away. They're supposed to, but if they're not set up just yet, remember I told you everything is on a platform that they submit to us through uh, e-tran or electronically. You know, I, I that's something that uh, you'll have to reckon yourselves with. You have to remember this, ladies and gentlemen: the banks are my customers, but you are the customers of the bank. So if you think you can jump over the banks to come directly to us, we'll have to send you back to the banks because we trust the banks. The banks are our partners. Without them, none of this could happen, okay? So you gotta work with us, work with both of us. We're doing the best we can as quickly as we can. And believe you me, it gets frustrating. Now with the PPP loans, remember I was talking about what you can deduct now. And if you remember correctly with the EIDL loans, um, that grant portion, we were saying that you had to deduct that from the PPP portion if you happen to get a EIDL loan and a PPP loan under the CARES Act. It's all been abolished. Don't worry about it anymore. We also got for, <laughs> and the bankers understand this too, is that we also have a format where if you get a for, uh, application for $150,000 or less, for your PPP, you can use the simplified form for forgiveness. Um, understand the very bottom, PPP loans are not federally taxable income. If somebody gives you a 1099, you better ask them why, because it wasn't us. Now, one of the things we got coming up too with um, the EIDL loans, some of you who applied for the advance, we know that the advance had its problems. There were some fraud. I had people come to me. I mean, somebody got a $10,000 mark and uh, they didn't even have a business. I got a business. I can't get a dime. Well, you know, it happens. Stuff happens. I don't know what to tell you. But uh, what I can tell you is that with the EIDL advanced now, which is the grant portion of the EIDL loan, it's not part of the second tranche of money. However, don't call us, we'll call you. What I mean by that is that, you know, we ran out of money sometime, I think in July, 
but those were folks out there who got partial payments based on how many people that they employed. Remember, if I had five employees and I also had a PPP, you had to deduct it from that PPP and it kind of uh, lowered your forgiveness and forced you into a loan situation where we abolished that. That's no longer, no longer an issue anymore. But above all, those of you who had received only like say 5,000 and 10,000, if you can show that you were 30 and a 30% or suffered a 30% loss with receipts, et cetera, you can now apply again for that the, the cash balance or the extra $5,000. If you didn't get anything at all and monies are still available, you can get a full 10 grand, but you gotta be in a low moderate income district, 300 employees or less, suffered a 30% reduction in receipts. It might not go over big over there on Michigan Avenue, but I know it's gonna go big over there on Holman Avenue, okay? So keep that in mind. Your regular EIDL loans uh, basically are for your working capital. Had coronavirus not reared its ugly head, you'd have been able to pay your bills. So your EIDL loan, which is a direct loan from us, not the banks, but from the SBA, from the Office of Disaster Assistance, if it's uh, can go as far as 30 years and we'll charge a business 3.75% interest fixed or you know a nonprofit 2.75% fixed. Uh, and again, you gotta have uh, 500 or fewer employees and um, gotta be with, uh, you gotta be a small business. Most of the businesses that I know that I see in existence is $5 million in gross revenues or 100 employees or less. But you know, you can always use the alternative standards too. So small businesses, you and I may think of it are not small at all. They're pretty big when you look at the regs. Um, as you can see here, I talked about the suffered the greater 30% um, loss in uh, with the economic aid, with the advanced program. Like I said, we'll call you. If you're in a low-income community, you suffer greater than 30% loss, have 300 employees or less, we'll call you. And if you're not sure if you're in the correct low-income community, if you go to www.sba.gov slash coronavirus relief, we got a map there, punch in your address, it'll tell you whether or not you qualify in a low-moderate-income area, okay? And like I mentioned before, we will be the ones to reach out for you, trying to get us done pretty quick. Um, new program with the targeted EIDL. I'm just trying to hit the, uh, you're gonna, look folks, you're gonna have to have your, file your taxes. File your taxes, because part of it's gonna be down at the bottom, as you see that 4506T, they are going to ask for that. And I'm gonna tell you this, Although we work hand in hand with Treasury and they govern the IRS, they're slow. They're slow, so slow. So if SBA tells the IRS, send us a 4506 and the IRS says, we don't have it, we're going to reject your loan. And then you're going to get ticked off. You're going to call me and I'm going to have to get on, um, <laughs> get on disasters case a little bit and say, no, it's over there. And uh, we just need to get a better system of bringing it up. But again, not everything is perfect but uh, we're doing our best to get things out 
to each and every one of you who want to apply. The application process, you know, it's basic, it's easy. We'll give you, well, I'm not going to say we will give you, we will do our best to give you or render a decision within 21 days. So if it was a perfect world from beginning to end with the EILD advance um, um, and with the actual loan, because the EID, EIDL loan is a loan that goes through the five C's. Uh, we'll try to get an approval or what have you for you within 21 days. And you should close within 28 to 35 days. If you have questions, you just go to targeted advance at sba.gov. But again, everything is for you. And make sure you got your bank accounts right, ladies and gentlemen. And don't play if you... Um, don't get impatient and put more than one application in, not only for the target, not only for the EIDL, but also for PPP. My bankers will tell you, you'll mess us up. And you get messed up, then you get mad at us. And I don't want you being mad at us. Now, here's the new program. Here's the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant. This is the latest and the greatest coming out of uh, uh, Congress that they gave to us, and it's for live venue operators, theatrical producers, talent reps, uh, movie theaters, those kind of folks. Uh, for those of you who uh, participate Friday, Fridays with Fergie, you know, you come and you talk with the deputy and we, you know, we have office hours. Sometimes we'll go through a little thing like this, like a little webinar and talk about different issues. Um, this was one of the biggest issues I had under the CARES Act, but now that the SAM is coming. I mean, the um, SVLG is coming up. It's getting a little better. The only problem with this is that we don't have the application up on the uh, big board yet. Yeah, I know. We're flying the airplane and building it at the same time. Once again, not going to be apologetic, but uh, sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes I think that we put ourselves in a bad position, but Here's a very, very big catch to this whole thing. You know, we told you, as um, many of you on the, um, who have looked into the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant, you know that you cannot have a PPP in a, in a Shuttered Venue Operators Grant on the second tranche. So you cannot have a PPP loan and also get a Shuttered Venue Operators Grant loan at the same time can't happen here's a problem we don't even have the application up for the shutter venue operators grant so there's some folks out there that could either go ppp or they could go svlg and remember svlg is a grant we don't have the application out there but i can tell you we can get you ready for the application where you can go ahead and sign in for the sam and get all those good things started, okay? Once again, you gotta be in business at least by February 29th, and that was leap year. So for those of you who said, hey, there's no 29 days in uh, February, you're right, except for leap year, all right? So if you're in business then, and you're one of those eligible entities, then you can't qualify for the SVLG. I'm gonna tell you that on our uh, webpage again, the coronavirus relief, you'll see FAQs for the uh, uh, for the SVLG. That's 
that's the best thing that we have out there right now governing us for rules and regulations. Now, this here is just our cross-program eligibility. It tells you what you can and cannot have at the same time or what can commingle. Well, I'm not going to use that term commingle, but coexist. All right. As you can see, um, you're not eligible. If you get a shuttered uh, operator's grant, as I mentioned before, and you have a PPP, you can't do it. But you can do an EIDL, but the EIDL can't be used for PPP rationale or reasons. So this is a good little chart. That's up on our webpage also. So you'll be able to see that. Um, again, if you're following along on your phone or what have you, or your computer, and you're actually on our website, I told you, it's kind of like going in order. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, let me go to the next one. We've got our debt relief programs. Your bankers will tell you if you have an existing SBA loan, um, SBA will pay, we used to pay six months of principal and interest on a SBA loan to provide relief for you. But, you know, we've got so much money flowing out there and going to different programs. We've cut it down to three months. Your bankers will be able to talk to you in detail all right about whether or not you can qualify for that so if you have an existing loan or intend to get along with us and you're looking for us to pay plus the deferments your bankers will be able to talk to you about that that's part of the uh, corona relief uh, act and here are our loan programs as you can see loan loan paycheck protections alone debt relief is a loan economic disaster technically is a loan, be only because the advance, that grant portion is not being offered at this time. We're trying to settle old scores. And then the SVLG is a true loan. So you can't really come to me and say, hey, Mark, what do you think I should do? Should I go for my PPP or my SVLG? Well, I can't, I can't tell you. You're gonna need to talk to your banker your attorneys, your your, your accountants, things like that, and determine what is good for you. And if you need other assistance from our partners, if you go to www.sba.gov/il, you know you could go to local assistance, but they'll just tell you to hit Illinois. All of our small business development, excuse me, all of our small business development centers, they will pop up. Score will pop up. The WBDC will comp pop up. The VBLC will pop up. So the, oh, and local chambers too. Let's not leave out our local chambers. We may not fund them all, but we do work with them. And then just stay connected with the, our links right here. If you haven't uh, gotten our newsletter, get our newsletter. It updates you. I subscribe to it and I work there, okay? So, and again, to me, the, one of the most uh, important addresses for these programs that you need to know. The SBA Corona Release Virus Relief site will give you all the programs, but then you can zero in on, you know, SBA.gov PPP or on the grant or the EIDL. With that being said, I hope I didn't take up too much time. I know that I've been talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. But again, these would be your key takeaways. Those are our four basic programs. So with that, you know, I'm done here, Valerie.
So I'm going to stop sharing my screen. I don't know if you want to open it up for questions okay. or you want to take them into wherever you okay. want to take them. Yeah, Congressman Davis is facilitating. Okay. Well, we're going to, let me thank Mark. Mark, let me tell you, you've done an outstanding job as comprehensively as it could be yes. done at the time that you've used. <laughs> you almost made me wish that I had a small business and and was looking for a loan. <laughs> and, and, and let me just thank you and reinforce two things. One, I know you said don't beat up on the bankers, but let me tell you, <laughs> keep crying because the more you cry and the more you, you, you <laughs> let members of Congress know that something is not working the way we thought it might work, Mm -hmm. We've changed this program a great deal. A lot. And we've made sure that small businesses, small businesses have a greater possibility of being able to access the resources. Barbershops, beauty shops, uh, restaurants. I, re I represent more restaurants than you can shake a stick at. Chinatown, Greek town, Old Town, Downtown, Soulville, restaurants in Oak Park and Forest Park. I mean, the restaurant, the hospitality industry, people who the first shot didn't get a dime, but they kept complaining, they kept advocating, and they are going to be able to get not just a dime, but a quarter and 50 cents and a dollar and some millions. So keep on doing it. And of course, the SBA can't tell you what banks and that kind of thing to go to, but I can. I remember going all the way over the Seaway, as far west <laughs> as I live and north. I live on the edge of Oak Park. And I used to drive all the way over to 87th Street to go to the bank. I mean, matter of fact, I'm gonna buy, get a new car pretty soon. And I'm thinking of going to Bolingbroke <laughs> to buy it. Cause there's something out there called Advantage Chevrolet. And, and, and so they can't do that, but I can. And now we're actually going to our panelists and thank you all for your patience. Each panelist will have three minutes to introduce him or herself. They will state their name, where they work, and their company's approach to CARES and how you can interact with them. Someone has also made sure that we suggest that panelists talk about the CBFI opportunities and, and these instruments that do in fact exist. So why don't we start with Daryl, then we'll go to Ron, to Lupita, and Chris in that order. And thank you so much. Thank you, Congressman Davis. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. This is Daryl Newell. I'm the president of the Seaway Division of Self-Help Federal Credit Union. And we are what you call a CDFI, a Community Development Financial Institution, which means we specialize in working in underserved neighborhoods. Uh, we are pleased to be a part of the 
and many institutions in our neighborhoods that are providing PPP loans to black and brown folks. Uh, so right now we are involved in that process. We're primarily working with the individuals. You know, just in Chicago and Milwaukee, we did over 200 PPP loans, right? Right, for, over, you know, for, for lots of millions of dollars. So right now we're working on making sure that we take Mark's advice and get all those loans forgiven, while at the same time taking a look to see who's eligible for the second PPP loan. Right, so our primary focus right now is all those folks we've helped in the past, and we're working with uh, partners to reach out for individuals and organizations that need help with the second round of PPP, such as our chambers. You know, we work, we specialize in working with nonprofits and pastors, and you know, so we're just here to help. You know, my primary responsibility is market management, operational execution, and sales management which means I work for the community. So with that, thank you, Congressman Davis, for allowing me to participate today. And I'll turn it back over to you for our next panelist, introducing him or herself. You're on mute. Congressman Davis, you're on mute. Congressman, you're on mute. We can't hear you. <laughs> All right. Tended to be on mute. Wrong <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> My name is Ron Millsap. I'm a vice president of Mission Banking and Community Reinvestment Act Officer for Providence Bank and Trust. I've been in community banking for the largest amount of my career. Um, enjoy doing the work that we do as a community bank and being a part of the Paycheck Protection Program. The bank decided from the beginning last year that we were going to be active in the program and support our local communities. I was proud to be involved in over $128 million of lending, over 830 loans, and 30% of those loans and 30% of that $128 million went to support low to moderate income communities. Providence Bank and Trust continues to be a very important player on the south and west sides of Chicago, having acquired the assets of Urban Partnership Bank. And if you guys are familiar, were familiar with Urban Partnership Bank, then of course you were familiar with Shore Bank and Independence Bank before it. Um, those, those banks, much like um, the Congressman talked about, have a long legacy, even though the names have changed. Um, I'm fortunate to say I was one of the people that stayed on from Urban Partnership Bank. We retained a lot of our staff, as well as a lot of our customers that we serve within the community. So the name may change, but the mission stays the same. Um, our, our approach, we are a stewardship bank. Um, our bank is mission-centered. Stewardship for us means giving, donating 10% of our earnings back to the community. So every year, if we make $30 million, we're gonna donate $3 million of those dollars back to the local nonprofits that are serving our communities. So that's a big way in which we give back. We'll continue to support this program for as long as it's open. Folks can go to our website at providence.bank. They can call our 1-800 number. They can also email us uh, those, those inquiries will get patched over to folks like myself within the bank who will then personally reach out to you and help you and provide technical assistance to get that, get that funding into your hands to support you as an independent contractor or as a business. And I'll yield time. Thank you very much. And let me just say again, don't leave any of that money on the table. 
I'm, I'm, I'm saying people who are listening and watching, don't let us in saying some of this money was not applied for and was not used. Ms. Guerra, and this bank is right down the street from where I live, U.S. Bank. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Good afternoon. My name is Lupita Guerrero. I am a business banking specialist for U.S. Bank. And I want to start by saying thank you to Congressman and Valerie for the opportunity to be part of this discussion. I know many businesses will be benefiting from. I have been processing applications since the portal opened and I've seen the desperate financial need businesses have been facing. Being able to help clients during this time in our community has been very rewarding. We are taking non and current applications from non and current US bank clients. And we have an easy digital application that we can walk you through. CoBrowse is a digital tool we use to walk clients through the application. It links it to whatever form is needed and we can guide you and assist you through the entire process. In addition to that, PPP loans is now available to owners who have an individual taxpayer identification instead of a social security number. We also offer other services and other tools to help you if you're a business owner. It doesn't matter what language you speak, what background, call me, I'm here to assist you. Thank you. Thank you very much and now Christian. Good afternoon. I Raymond, uh, the founder of Project Forward. We are a for-profit uh, boutique management consultancy firm. And the role that we've been playing, particularly with the CARES Act, um, our client base is primarily community development finance institutions, chambers of commerce, community development corporations, as well as real estate developers. So I've been able to engage with the Seaways and the Providences, particularly through working with another CDFI. Um, we set up a PPP pop-up call center, uh, the previous round of the Paycheck Protection Program. And um, it was very interesting to see the still support that it is needed for a lot of the small businesses to get through these processes. So in working with some of the traditional lenders, um, our organization was able to be that financial intermediary or providing that financial intermediary support primarily to make sure that businesses not only get through the application process, but also get through the forgiveness process. All right, we are now down to the question and answer and participation part of this. And so if you've got a comment you wanna make, why don't you just go ahead, identify yourself and start. If two or three people start at the same time, I'll try and referee that and say, hey, Let's let so-and-so go right ahead. But other than that, or if you want to put something in the chat and we'll lay it out, we'll do it that way. But the floor is really open. Terrence, are you about to join? Terrence Smith? Sir, I was in, but for some reason I was disconnected. 
Oh, okay. Did you have a comment, <laughs> question, something you no, want to say? No, sir. Just joining back in. <laughs> All right. Anybody else, please? Yeah, you know what? I have a question for Daryl, and I guess Kristen can chime in. And, and my question to them is, what advice would you give to organizations that don't yet have a bank relationship, but they're finding themselves applying for PPP or SVOG? Oh, you know, um, that's a great question, uh, Valerie. First of all, call one of the bankers here. You know, Ron, myself, Peter, you know, call one of us. That's the best place to start. You know, Providence, U.S. Bank, you know, or wherever you have a personal account, if you don't have a business account or, you know, because the key is, is the banks are still required to know customers. So you need to have an account relationship, right? And then, you know, I'll let Kristen chime in, but what I've always told folks is, is, and if you don't have a banking relationship, Right, and you don't know either one of us on the call today. If you're part of a business association, go there, right? Because technical assistance is allowed in this program, and some institutions are engaging technical assistance providers. So what I tell people is, is go to your local business chamber. You know, Mark did a great job. He put a lot of resources out there in 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 his presentation. WBDC. You know, all the rest of the folks that tend to work with business organizations score, and they certainly have banking relationships as well, especially if they're providing technical assistance, right? And that's the real key. So if you don't have a relationship, get to a chamber that's doing technical assistance and let them get you to the bank that they're working with so you can get the PPP law. Now, Kristen, did you have anything else to add to that? Um, the other consideration is the neighborhood business development centers. So uh, there are, are small business development centers which are funded by the SBA, but the city of Chicago has the neighborhood business development centers. So some of the papers that are mentioned are a part of that. Um, but I, I, what I want to say is to ensure that clients are establishing these relationships prior to these programs because oftentimes by the time the announcement um, that PPP or that the shuttered venue opportunity is open, um, I don't wanna say it's too late, but you're, you're behind the eight ball at that point. So what I often advocate to clients is that they understand what their long-term goals are, as well as any of their current obstacles that may be in place that may be preventing them from having a, a banking relationship. So there should be a game plan that the client has in regards to what they plan to do with their business to be able to drive them in the best direction of who they're, they're operating. Let me ask this question then. Let's say that I own a barbershop and I have not been as prudent as I should have been in terms of record keeping, what can I do? Well, if you, um, Mildred, can you put, put your call on mute? Can you mute, please? Um, but if you are a cash-based business, like a barbershop or a salon, many of them are accepting payments through financial tools, be it Cash App, be it PayPal. 
some of the fintech cash app or quick paypal are also processing ppp and so they may be able to still get finding through a non-traditional lender such as that because that's how they've been accepting their payment so that those fintech companies may actually be an outlet for a business who hasn't been as prudent in maintaining cash records. Barbara he actually went out of business. <laughs> of course, he eventually passed away as well. And but even prior to that, you know, being able to access and having this sense of frustration that people feel in terms of knowing that they qualify and they deserve consideration, but just don't, you know, have the, the confidence that they need to have to try. I mean, I know people who say, I've never tried, I, I you know, hey, I just whatever. And, you know, you feel terrible for them because you know they need the help and they deserve the help. They qualify for the help, but uh, they're missing out. Anyone else? Yes, sir. This is Ramona Taylor Williams, Congressman. We are in, we're chiming in from Mississippi. Oh, have mercy. Yeah, we're chiming in from Mississippi and home for me is Peoria, Illinois. All right. I yeah, hope yeah, you yeah. all got running water if you're in Jackson. I'm in Jackson and we are it's 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 coming back on but slowly and we're still having to boil the water. But it's um it's been quite a challenge. Um I'm just so happy that you lifted up the small cottage businesses are uh, barbershops and beauty shops. And also the, here in Mississippi, we have a lot of independents that do lawn services. And for, yes, lawn services. So I was really happy to hear Kristen um, reference the alternative payments through Cash App and those um, financial tools as a way of justifying and as a way of um, calculating and showing that the businesses have been operating, but they may not, as you said, be, um, be as diligent as far as record keeping is concerned. So I really wanna thank you and I wanna thank you for uh, for moderating this business, this um, uh, forum, because to have one of our congressmen as busy as things are in DC right now, um, <laughs> to have one of our congressmen to take the time out and engage with us is, it just means, it just means a whole lot. And I just wanna say thank you for that. And also thank you, Val for facilitating and doing what you do best, bring us together. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, you know, your Congressman Benny Thompson is a dear friend of mine 
And I am so proud of Benny, I don't know what to do because he's the one that found that Ku Klux Klan law. And <laughs> through, through, through Trump. <laughs> I mean, when, honestly, that's what I love. I've been in Mississippi since 2015. And one of the things that I so appreciate about living here is how deeply rooted our communities and our people in Mississippi are in history. And it just paid off in its shows because uh, Congressman Thompson and Derek went all the way back, what was it, 18, 1800 and something. And they had two that Black United claim. States Senators. They had two Black yeah. United States Senators in Mississippi during the 1800s. They weren't popularly elected but they were elected at that time by the state legislatures. Mm -hmm. Mississippi does have a great and glorious history. Yes, it does. And also some things that are not so great right. and not so glorious. <laughs> right, that continue on to this day. They're being very egregious relative to uh, suppressing the vote through the legislative process. Uh, we do have a Tea Party type uh, supermajority in the legislature. And so what I tell our, uh, our members and our constituents of the, the, the group that I'm working with is that I'm in this fight for my ancestors this time. All right, well, thank you so much. And we're going to try to get as much money in people's hands as we possibly can. Yes, sir. To restore what they've got. We got anybody else that's got some pearls of wisdom for us, even if you don't have a question. You don't necessarily have a question. You can have an answer. <laughs> well, you know, Congressman, it's Mark. I wanted to just tell everybody, those who want to apply, you know, let's make sure that we have our financial statements in order. Make sure you get all your financing in order because um, we can't give you, we, we gotta be able to, we got a lot to give, but we can't justify it if you don't have the financials in order to justify the amount of monies that can be given to you. So, you know, that is probably the biggest problem that we have in the community right now is bringing all our sole proprietors up, our, our uh, individual contractors up to a point where they understand that they don't look at their checkbook to determine what their future looks like, whether they're gonna eat steak tonight or they get supersized at McDonald's, okay? They well, need to have their financials in place to try to get that and they can get those using people like the Kristens and the Valerie's and some of the other folks that will be out there providing the technical assistance that Daryl talked about, Congressman. And you know, you're so right because access to capital is so essential if people are going to be able to start and operate businesses. I used to serve on the Small Business Committee. I no longer serve on that committee but let me tell you things like micro lending 
and seeing individuals who made use of that concept starting something very small. A young lady was by here the other day who was the sister of the first receptionist that I hired when I became a member of Congress. And she has written a book and she was a little girl at the time when I met her. I know a little group of kids who have their own investment club. They meet once a month. And let me tell you, some of the investments that they've made, and they've got some adults who kind of monitor them and work along with them and keep them going and all of that. So uh, it's just wonderful in terms of getting started. When I hear John Rogers talk about how he started looking at investments and how he started as a kid understanding and where it has taken him today. So I wish people would really start their young people off into better understanding. I often question myself in terms of saying, how many different kinds of things can you really do? Sometimes I wish I'd gone into business and just be able to generate capital. So everything is relative, everything is relevant, and it all matters and it all makes a difference. So true, Congressman. This is Daryl Newell from Seaway. Uh, you know, uh, Peter is new to the family, but she said something that was really interesting. I want to ask her to talk a little bit more about, and then I want to ask Ron the same question. So, Peter, you mentioned that you know folks that have an I-10 uh, number now can apply for PPP. That's near and dear to my heart because Second Federal is my other division, and we do a ton of PPP loans. So, could you just kind of tell everybody what a PP, what an I-10? you know, uh, is and how you go about working with it. And, you know, Ron, I know you out there doing a great job. Then, Ron, you know, if you can just talk about what Providence is doing, especially now that, you know, ex-offenders who have businesses now, I believe, are qualified for PPP loans also. And I know that Providence has been heavily engaged in working in the community as well. So, Lapita, if you could talk about I-10, and then Ron, you could talk about a little bit about what you've been doing. You know, Ron and I used to be at Urban Partnership Bank together, so we were brothers in the fight. So I want to get a new family member an opportunity now to tell us how folks can get take advantage of those opportunities because we're working with the hair braiders here on the south side. So, Peter, tell us how you're working with folks to get the, the monies in the hand of folks that have an I-10. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yes, that just came in and I'm so excited to give the opportunity to clients, to customers, to people in general that don't have a social security number. They can apply now if they have an ITIN number and that's the number that allows you to work here. We are now using that for any business owner. They can apply um, through our website, www.usbank.com PPP. And like I said before, we can help them with the, our cold browse technology tool that we now offer. It's a very easy process. We walk through the application from beginning to end. If anyone has any questions with 
the I-10 with the cold browsing tool, please call me. I'm here to assist you. And um, I can't wait. I can't wait to get all the customers that have been waiting for this to happen. I'm very excited. I'm very proud that we are allowing that for our customers and everybody else. Let me ask you, what are the... I was just gonna say, and this is really important because a lot of folks in the service industry have ITNs. You know, they're from Mexico, they're from Guatemala, they're from Central America, South America, Haiti, Cuba, parts of the African continent. So we can't forget about our black and brown brothers and sisters. So please, you know, call Lupita up. She got, she got the magic for it. All right, so put that information in the chat and you can spread the news because those guys that are parking cars, so the person with the 601 mentioned it, you know, that's cutting grass and shoveling snow and just trying to make ends meet, right? They probably have an I-10 number. So let's make sure that they hear the good news and can take advantage of the money that Mark has to give out, you know? So, <laughs> you know, and, and Congressman Davis probably has a lot of folks that have I-10s that are working in these restaurants, you know, in, in his representative area. So we don't want to leave them out. We want to make sure that they get an opportunity. So thanks for sharing that, Lupita. And I know Ron is all over it because, you know, he and I fighting going to be the king of the hill on the south side for I-10. So Ron, what are you guys doing? So uh, I, I want to touch on something that Mark said early in his presentation. So we, we're definitely adhering to the new guidelines and this, this window to be able to serve uh, nonprofits and small businesses that are less than 19, less than 20 employees. Yeah. And, and and obviously independent contractors. So that window doesn't close until March 10th. So folks are still, we're holding the line. So if you if you have an application and you have greater than 20 employees, you, you, you're waiting in the queue and everybody else is moving forward. On March 3rd, uh, new applications rolled out uh, from the SBA to deal with the I-10 as well as the gross up on uh, independent contractors. So that's really exciting news for folks who applied during the first round and had to uh, apply on their Schedule C based on their line 31 or their net income. Now they can apply based on their gross income. So I, that's gonna increase the, uh, the, the, the outcomes quite a bit for independent contractors um, to be able to get a greater share of that pie and let's absorb some of that $135 um, you know, billion dollars that Mark talked about that's still All right, let me ask for the communities you. to get access to. We're open. Go ahead, Danny. No, I was going to ask uh, Ms. Guerra a question, but go ahead. And I, I guess I'll just end by saying, um, you know, continue, continue to come, come both customers and non-customers, continue to come through. Um, we, we're going we're gonna to keep that portal open for you. If, if Congress finds the will to, and, and that's maybe we're going to ask Danny to push that, that 331 deadline, and let's get some momentum behind pushing that deadline because folks are working it. Folks are trying to get their paperwork in a row. There, there's still a lot of confusion about, you know, can I apply? And we got to continue to push and get the word out there. So I think they need a little more time, Danny. All right. Well, let me just thank you for that. And, and we'll get into it. I also want to thank Daryl, though, for raising the issue because there's nobody in America who did more to make sure that people with criminal records, ex-offenders, and people in prison than Danny Davis. There you go. And the people on my staff. As a matter of fact, we are the main protectors. We, we, 
actually the Internal Revenue Service told us when they first came out, they said, we raised the issue. And they said, well, people in prison don't really need any PPP. So because they're not really being economically impacted. They got a place to live in prison. <laughs> they got food and they get fed. So they're not hungry. And, and so they really don't need the assistance. And obviously we argued and argued and finally got around to getting them to change that. But I also need to not be political, but to suggest that many of my Republican colleagues came up with amendments, came up with everything they could come up with to prevent these individuals from being included. And I've got a staff person who's just deaf on all of this kind of stuff. She just goes through everything, scrutinizes it, and we were able to turn that around. Yours truly, we were able to turn that around. And so I'm very proud of some of the work that members of my staff do in terms of staying on top of things to know that they need to have some intervention. I'm known as the second chance person yeah. in Congress and in the prisons and in the United States That's true. and among the individuals who have criminal records and background. And, and we're very fortunate this year that people can now make use of the Pell Grant to get higher education if they are in prison, if they are in jail, if they've got a record. Uh, the Pell Grant has outlawed for them. They couldn't use the Pell Grant because they're individuals who say, why waste money on these people when there are a lot of other people who've not done anything <laughs> and they could use that same money. But uh, Ms. Guerra, I wanted to ask you, what are the biggest mistakes or some of the mistakes that people make that you've seen in terms of looking at applications and trying to help people? What I've seen consistently is basically customers submitting incomplete documentation and a lot of clients that I've been talking to, I tell them ahead of time, have everything available up front, have all of your text filing completed, have all your bank statements submitted, not just one page out of five. <laughs> That's been the consistency that I've seen. And honestly, it makes the process go smoother if they submit all their documents completed and at the same time of application. That's been the most common mistake that I've seen. And like I've told everyone that has been applying for the PPP, if you're not sure of what to submit, we do offer links and you can call me, call the banker, call your local bank and ask them. I'm sure anyone will be more than willing to tell you what you need to submit 
whether you have a nonprofit, a corporation, if you're a sole prop, but that's all I've seen pretty much since the portal opened. So being in compliance with requirements, you know, and, and, and making sure that nobody can come back and say that you really didn't complete all of what was being asked or all of what's being required is not the reason that you were not able to access the resources that you're trying to get. Um, and, and I think all aspects of this is very important. It's important that we have instruments that are fair, as comprehensive as we can make them. But then, you know, all of these things get argued and debated and it's not a one size all the time that fits all. Everything that we do as a member of Congress or as members of Congress, if one of us say go up, there's another one saying go down. If one say go across, there's another one saying go sideways. And, and, and so these things are massaged. It's kind of like making sausage. It don't look good. But when you get through with it, you know, Parker House is kind of okay. It, it, it's all right. So we want to make sure. Any other questions? Any other comments? Anybody else? I think we actually have some. Um... I had a question. This yeah. is Crystal. Please go right ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to know where to direct the constituent uh, regarding the second round of the PPP. Um, the young lady, I think you are at uh, US Bank, is it? Uh, regarding yes. temp agencies, uh, I got a call from a constituent who said that she was denied because her um, workers were temp. And uh, so if you could direct me to the, or maybe I could give her your information and she could call you at the bank. You say the workers were temporary workers. I think Mark may be able to. Yeah, but she said they weren't temp. It's just that the people that do her payroll, the company has temp in their name or something. Hmm. Oh, okay. I think, that I think that requires follow-up and follow-through in order of, of helping the decision-maker know that that's an error. And, and then that can be corrected if, if that is the only problem, if that's yeah. the only issue. Mm -hmm. so I, I would I would recommend that there just be the follow through and follow up and the person who makes a decision ended up knowing that you're not talking about temporary workers, you're talking about a temporary service and that's part of the name. 
and not the worker. Anyone else? That uh, Congressman yeah. Dave, I, I would like to chime in. Um, so one of the things that when I was supporting Chicago Community Loan Fund in assisting their clients in getting PPP was the lack of understanding around the use of employee. Um, so a lot of times, especially just from the standpoint of um, businesses that actually have W-2 employees, most of the time those businesses in underserved neighborhoods don't have W-2s. They're working with 1099s. There you go. And what that means is the 1099 will then individually have to apply and they themselves are eligible for PPP <clears throat> that the employer quote unquote organization cannot claim them as employees in regards to that calculation for what's eligible in regards to what they've been paying out. So the problem might actually be the people that the person tried to claim they're not their actual employees. They did not issue them W-2s. They may have issued them 1099s, meaning those individual temporary workers would need to apply for PPP and they're eligible to apply for PPP on their own. So that was one thing that we consistently ran into when asking companies, how many employees do you have they're including those 1099 workers in that count. And there was, there was confusion around who would need to apply for the PPP for those independent contractors. All right, and I think it means also that, uh, you know, our chambers of commerce, our business associations, our business groups, I know that we from time to time have uh, what we call town hall instructional meetings where we would just simply invite small businesses to get on and we'll have some experts on to help inform people what they need to have, what different things mean and, and what it helps to know. So I think the continuous process of education becomes very much a part. Um, you know, my daddy used to always say, the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. And, and so oftentimes there are individuals who think they know, but they know what they know, but they don't know what they don't know. And sometimes it helps to know a little bit more in terms of another saying that says, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing that you got to drink deep because sometimes shallow drinking intoxicates the brain. And so this business of knowing and learning is a big part, I think, of being able to access these resources. And that's exactly what we want people to do. We do not want one dime not a quarter left unclaimed, <laughs> left not asked for. We want them to have to say, we ran out of money. <laughs> we don't have any more left. <laughs> Go back to the treasury. 
and ask them to print some more. I yes, mean, yes, really yes, 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 yes. So, Valerie, thank you so much. Let me ask the Leslie. I think. Uh, yes, Congressman. Yes, yes, yes. Can Leslie you hear has some information about upcoming yes. events. Yes, yes. I just want to say I want to firstly say good afternoon. I'm I'm so thankful for this engagement with everyone. It really means a lot. I'm a longtime Chatham resident. And anytime you want to come over here, Congressman Davis, you're welcome. Okay, I want to let you know that. I'm in the same house since 59. Okay, so that's the way it goes. And I welcome all of you. We continue to be collaborative in, in various ways. Okay, so I want to say that. But yes, going forth into March, it's Resilience Month, which is that, which is very important right now, very timely for what we're going through now with COVID-19, but also just a virtue that we should embrace anyway. So we're talking about, we want to talk about in Nonprofit Utopia, I am a, a founding member and one that is embracing being a advisory person to help. And Valerie and I, we're on the same level. And I'm just saying, I, I just feel the spirit so much. I want to just help her and she helps me. <laughs> so just sharing mechanisms and strategies for building resistance is very important right now. And resilience as a, you know, and sharing assessment tools and all that we need to do in terms of being able to bounce back from what we're experiencing, because it's on various levels. It's psychic, it's, it's practical, it's like physical, it's all of this. So we need to really look at all of that. And we have people that are coming through uh, in the next couple of weeks. Jana Mecker, who was a cancer survivor, is gonna be talking about depression and how he overcame that and anxiety as well. And Vanessa Norton is going to be talking about faith and resilience and um, depression and anxiety, how she overcame that. So this is important work going forth in terms of us, mm -hmm. in terms of March. It really is. And I was talking to Valley about this because I feel that invention and innovation and also, uh, Congressman, you understand, invention and innovation is crucial to our civilization. So and the ways we can gather together groups to really work at really pushing this forward in our communities, across races, across ethnic groups and all that, it would be a good thing. Cause I know you've done work with C C CIO and I have a relationship with Calvin Flowers and all that, you know, and, and Dennis. And encourage people yeah. to encourage people more relationships with, and Valerie as well. In the, in the organization with Chicago Innovators Awards and all that, and now building a relationship that we need to look at. And that's innovation, you know, employment, innovation, you know. And so well, just think that all, you know, and thank you for it. Because I want to just thank you all so much. Thank you very so much. much. And, I, and I believe Roberta Coleman Yes. Uh, going to make a membership appeal, Roberta. Yes, thank you, Congress. My name is Roberta, and I'm the founder of Black International. Uh, we're a nonprofit organization that provides services, outreach services to homeless, and I'm also one of the uh, 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 nonprofit 
here, and I just want to talk to people who are not currently a member and just encourage them to join Nonprofit Utopia. Uh, yeah. It's a learning environment for those who are in the nonprofit industry, new, as, as well as those who have been in the nonprofit industry for years. Because as you said, Congressman, the more you learn, the more you learn what you did not know. So always be in learning mode. And nonprofit is a great place for that. So I encourage everyone to um, just reach out, Valerie, or host a chat and let us know. Um, and we'll send you some information on membership to nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much. And you know, a lady that uh, Valerie and I both know the family, uh, the matriarch of the family used to be my teacher. And she taught me when I was a little kid to talk loud and write big. <laughs> and and, and, and yes. that I could just make sure people saw and heard. And whatever it is that Miss Beatty King taught, yes. that has served me well in terms of writing big. Anybody can read my writing, they can figure it out. <laughs> they may not look good, but they can figure out what it is. So thank you very much. Valerie, this has been fantastic. <laughs> and I want to thank you and commend you. And now we're back to Miss Valerie Leonard. <laughs> All righty. We're going to do a Baptist close because after I say something, <laughs> Ronald wants to say something. All right. So I, I just want to say thank you to everybody for showing up and really, really being flexible from the time I approached you guys until now. We, we always had to make some change you know, for the unexpected. And I really appreciate that. I appreciate your knowledge. I appreciate your time and really um, just cutting our heads open and pouring knowledge. You know, you can sit through these presentations, you know, more than once, but every time I sit through them, I hear something different. And I really appreciate you guys um, being creative, you know, because, you know, the plans are not always um, written in stone. We don't necessarily have to um, do everything. Um, I mean, you don't want to do anything illegal, of course, but you don't, <laughs> there, you, there are ways you can be creative. So I'm not going to say anything more. I just want to hear from Ronald. He had 10 strategies that we can use to make ourselves more worthy of getting a PPP loan. Uh, thank you, Valerie, for the opportunity to, to close out with this. Uh, you talked about being creative. And I was, I was sitting there, and I got inspired <laughs> to write uh, what I call my 10 PPP commandments. Oh, wow. uh, so I was inspired by Biggie Smalls, and I want to close out with just a little bit of uh, instrumental music here and then a PowerPoint share of my 10 PPP commandments for okay. all those who are going to ultimately view this, take these commandments, apply them to your PPP application process, and if you follow the steps, I guarantee you, you'll have success. All right, so here, here we go. Give me one second here. Thank <laughs> you.
I'm not gonna bore everybody by going through and reading them all. Okay. But I, but as you as you go through them, and you see <laughs> some that stick out that that they give you. I think Valerie talked about no fraud. So trying to deceive Uncle Sam will get you a get you get you the hammer a nine by twelve. <laughs> uh, you know, going through and doing your death death forgiveness. You just want to make sure whatever you attest to that you are that it's accurate. You don't don't want to miss out on your reparations. There's just some fun stuff there just to have people think about it in a different way. And there's lots of technical assistance out there, lots of counsel, lots of folks who want to help you get through this process. So do uh, enjoy these commandments, share them with your, with your PPP folks, mm -hmm. and let's get more people through the program. Thank you guys for the opportunity to share that. Okay, thank you. Can we get a copy of that? I didn't let folks know, but I did create a website just for this program and we've got links to the different banks resources and I would love to add that to it. I'll definitely share that out. Hope you guys enjoyed it. All righty. So I'm not going to say anything else. Um, are there any questions before we say goodbye for real for real? All righty. Have we answered all the questions in the chat? Anybody have an unanswered question? My question, when can we take over the world? <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it, it won't be televised. Okay, all right. Today. Okay. Today. Just silly Leslie, but introspect us. I'll just shut up now and I'll, I'll, I'll turn on my all screen. Right. <laughs> all righty, so we ended two minutes late in spite of oh. everything. Thank you guys, I really appreciate it. And and Congressman Davis, thank you so much. It's a pleasure, <laughs> thanks to all of you. And, and Crystal, and I thank the panel again. All right, take yes. care. Thank you. And this video will go out with our newsletter on Monday. Oh, okay, I got something else to read. <laughs> yes 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 i love it okay all right okay. thanks val you guys all take care all right okay. we shall bye 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 good good good